I'm Chris Riley, editor of Sweet Code and founder of Fixate. I just so happen to like food and software, so I'm going to connect with developers and engineers at their favorite places to eat and chat about what it's like to build modern applications. This is Developers Eating the World. All right, something unique for Developers Eating the World, episode 17. We're actually on a boat going out to catch our food, and I'm joined with John Willis, and if you don't already know who John is, open a tab in your browser, Google it. You'll figure out very quickly. Uh, John will probably one of my most famous uh, guests here on Developers Eating the World. But we're where? Somewhere in South Florida. Oh, Deerfield Beach, I think, is where. Deerfield we're Beach. Yeah. Going to catch our food. We're going out. We're going out into the so ocean. So we're doing the full cycle. Yeah, we'll be out. We'll be out pretty far. Like. Uh, so, uh, you know, the reason I created Developers Eating the World was a play on Michael Andreessen's quote, software's eating the world, and developers build software. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on what's going on in just the evolution of how developers are owning more responsibilities, development processes are changing, like everything's changing? Yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm old school. I've been doing this for years. I, yeah, I sort of jumped the transition of where sysadmins were mainly config guys, maybe some sort of uh, declarative sort of language, but it was it was more in in um, I, like you do some corn shell or you know shell or or maybe a little pearl if you if you got a little exotic. I mean, but we weren't really like we didn't think of ourselves as programmers. We didn't think of our developers. Those were tools for efficiency, right? Like, you know, why do I do this 10 times when we create a loop? And and so so I, I kind of went through that whole, really first half of my career. And um, and then this DevOps thing started. And I'm not, I mean, there was a lot of other converging points other than DevOps, but that this is my roadmap, right? Which was, um, really what it was, it, it seemed like to me, you know, I, I was the, um, the only American at the first DevOps day in, um, in Ghent. With, nice. you know Patrick DeBar created his yeah. thing and at the time I was actually working for Canonical you know the Ubuntu folk doing uh, the, really the first private cloud this is pre OpenStack right like and um, and I saw this thing with a friend he's like this event it's sort of like agile operations I'm like I gotta go there so I I went to the conference and what I saw was really sort of this I mean, you saw the signs that it's happening, but for me, it crystallized at this event where I saw these old young kids that you couldn't tell whether they were developers or sysadmins, right? And they, they had, had the chops of developers, and like they could answer the, the Google-like interview questions. And they were like, they had everything I had from a sysadmin background, right? Like they could, you know, they could chop up an Apache mod. I mean, they could do all, they, they knew how to set like, system flags on an operating system. They kind of knew the kernel enough to be dangerous. And I was like, and, and I, I sort of thought about that as like, how did that happen? Well, it happened because, and this was my joke, you gotta remember, I'm an ops guy my whole career, right? That three guys are gonna start a startup software company. They draw straws, and the short straw has to do operations. <laughs> three developers, right? So what does the developer do when he's like, oh, I, he or she's the developer person? Like they, they turn that role into a development role. And I think a lot of that sort of DevOps was born out of this sort of necessity of somebody who really wasn't operations focused to say, oh, well, somebody's got to configure all this stuff. Somebody's got to do this. It also sounds like there was like this weird 
mental shift that made it okay. Like, it's okay to embrace death. It's okay to embrace... I, so, so on the funny other side story, I remember seeing Luke Kniez, the founder of Puppet Labs, at Oscon. This is like 2007, 2008. And... Um, and I was like, oh my God, this is this is crazy, right? I, I'd been doing like kind of first generation configuration, very macro level. This was really a sort of a, sort of a, it was a programming paradigm, right? And, um, you know, and, but the, I remember taking him to lunch and I had to learn more. I'm like, I gotta know more about this, this is insane. And so we're going through all this stuff and like sort of declarative for systems administration. You don't install things, you literally create, you know, a declarative language to go ahead and drive the building of like middleware or right. MySQL or whatever you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, that, totally, I'm all in. And he says, you know, John, also, operations are going to have to get used to storing all the stuff in a source code repository. This is pretty good. I'm like, nope, that ain't going to happen. You know, like, I draw the line now, you know, <laughs> this won't happen, this can't be, you know, this will not stand. And, uh, you know, but like, of course, within a year or so, I'm like, oh, of course, it has to be this way. But it, I remember, like, I was in everything. Okay, declarative languages for doing sysadmin work. I like, get it. It's awesome. But when he told me that, I'm like, that's the you know the old joke about the Led Zeppelin band, right? Like they were named Led Zeppelin because somebody saw them, and they said that's gonna sink like a Led Zeppelin, <laughs> right? Like, so I was like, no, that's the Led Zeppelin of this movement. But but I was wrong, like most things. Which yeah. is actually interesting. I mean, people don't. <clears throat> I. I find that really fascinating that the repo was kind of the, like, you had opposition towards it, but once you embraced it, like, that made everything else okay. And it's like the repo-centric point of view, which now people are using the term GetOps. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it is a really big deal. The fact that you conversion your code, you're doing it, yeah. everything is code. It, it, all these things are sort of these counterintuitive things when you, co you look at them at first, you're like, that could never happen. And there's a switch ticket. Another, so I was early in at Chef. I, you know, I, I was the first. So I'm technical, but I'm not a day-to-day -day developer, right? Like there were a point in my career where I'll, I'll code for a while, I'll do some stuff, but most of my, most of my career is sort of balanced between a, a smaller percentage of, of sort of, uh, in anger development, um, and then a, a fair amount is diving in, being sort of sysadmin technical or playing like you know. I sold the company to Docker a couple of years ago. So I got very technical on sort of how do we get all the stuff integrated. Right. And then a, 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 you know maybe 30% of mine is sort of meta. You know, I become like a, an evangelist. And I remember uh, I went into Chef, I think it was like the eighth or ninth person there, right? And I was, my job was to build out all the technical non-career development. Okay. Training, um, you know, support, um, everything that was sort of the technical layers around. There was like seven or eight developers. And I remember we put together our first chef course, you know, it was kind of cool. We, it was the first, I, I think it's the first open source class that was ever, I was like, dude, like we, everything we have is like open source. Let's make our training free and yeah, open source. Right. So I had a guy come in and help me build it. And uh, the first thing he does is like the first hour is on Git. And I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. You know, we're going into enterprises. Like we're going to lose them. You know, and I, I again, one of these arguments, of, like I look at it now, I'm like, I'm such an idiot, right? But, but I was like arguing, we were having a fierce debate about like, I'm like, can't we put that in the back? I mean, if these enterprise people see all the, you know, craziness of like, like what you have to do and like, they're, like they're going to get turned off. And, um, and I was, again, I was wrong again, right? Because you had, his, his argument was, it has to be here first, John. 
it, it's the foundation of how we're going to build, you know, like chef recipes that go in source control and like, you know, like, but I remember fighting it and then, you know, I, I gave up, you know, because, you know. Is it, do you think that that's like something that has to happen for the natural curmudgeon techie? Like they have to fight it and then be convinced? Because you, you like to talk about the stories of the early days of DevOps where you go on Twitter and everyone's like, ah, this is BS, this is not a thing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that you have to, it's like anything else, right? You have, you have to figure it out. For you. So that is, every once in a while, it doesn't matter as much, there'll be a troll on Twitter who will basically say, you know, this DevOps thing is baloney. And nowadays I just sort of say, make a note, check with that person in a year from now, right? Just they'll, they'll be converted, they'll have a shingle on, they'll have a shingle on their consulting, you know. Um, but, but I think it is that you have to, so like for me with, um, it was um, it was really pull requests that actually, that was the, uh, okay, like all like that other stuff that mesh. seemed really hard and like, why do I have to do this and that and that didn't make sense, um, you know, and, um, but when I got the, I realized, and, and actually when I started in training, like that, like people would, um, you'd have people sort of, you know, it was sort of pairing on a pull request was the thing that, that, right. that brought me in and said that, that you could take people and say, this is how you do it now, right? And like now you've got this thing where, well, one, you can templatize things, right? Like, so you can build sort of templates to be filled into the automation. But second, you could do this pull request is this magical thing, right? That like you can sit there and it's like a conversion point where you, you can make it a habit to pull somebody in and you can review it. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so profound, right? In that, like now you have a point of which it's clarity that you get somebody else to look right. at of all those, especially in, for our world, the configuration world, right? We're so easy to put the wrong comma or, and just have somebody else. And I was like, and then of course, then the whole model gets in your head and you get it. But uh, yeah, to me, when I, when first, first time I saw Git, I'm like, why do we have to do all this nonsense? You know, but, but yeah, to answer your question, so the, I think the long arc of that is, um, that you, you, you're, um, there, there was people like me who had been doing like pure systems programming and system administration for many years, had all this memory muscle of this the way it's done. I think today it, it's very uncommon to go into large enterprise where it's like, like um, the old guard is pretty much in it and the new kids just know how to do this. So, so it, it, it's not as like, like seven, eight years ago. Yeah, where the opposition. Yeah, there was like, the, yeah. Like I remember a guy like he, you know, he like to get him to switch over from SVN to Git was like, you know, like, every day like eight people converge in his office like we have to do this. No, I don't see any value in. Yeah, I mean like, but yeah. But I think that's the beauty of techies. Even though usually a techie's default answer is no to everything that once it clicks, then they're the biggest champions. Yeah, yeah, once you see that, like how it, you, know, you always have to see it for your- And you have to see the feedback. That's right, yeah, yeah. And that feedback loop is the thing for you where like, oh, I get it, you know? I mean, there's a, like, as a corollary, like I, I, a lot about sort of DevOps, sort of the, the meta of DevOps, uh, you know, it really comes a lot from sort of lean, lean comes from Toyota. Like, you know, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like, what do we do in terms sort of knowledge work and how does that, I'm not the only one, right? I mean, I wrote the DevOps Handbook with a couple right. of authors and there's a lot of this in there about how we look at sort of the mapping of sort of physical work in, in a factory or automatic and how does that map to knowledge work? And one of the things, another is counterintuitive is sort of the notion of a whip limit, 
which plays really well into Kanban and all that, right? Which is like you put limits on work. And so if you have the, your memory muscle is, hey, I got six people that are working 60 hours a week and you want me to put limits on it? But then like you figure out that you're thrashing and, and it's the whip limits that create the, the flow. Huh. Yeah, work in progress limits, right? Like, yeah. like a Kanban board where you say, I'm only gonna have like 10 items on this right. this column. And uh, and that, that thing is another thing. Like to me, it was I was like, I, I don't understand. Like <laughs> I got like seven or eight people working, you know, on a, you know, on a good week, it's 55 hours on an, you know, I wasn't a death march guy, but like, like we were just a lot of work to get done in, a, in, a, in one week. And like, you want me to limit their work, but then you start understanding about flow and, and how when you limit the work, you, know, you put sort of, you know, it actually creates more efficiencies, right? Yeah, is that the equivalent of sprints though? I, you know, so again, you're talking to a person who comes in from the outside, like, like my first introduction was Agile, which is I knew sort of Agile was a thing, but the minute somebody said Agile operations, I'm like, hey, I, I want to hear what this is, right? Um, so I was sort of born on Kanban, right? So I was very born on sort of the daily iteration, you're constantly moving the board, things are flowing. Um, and so to me, looking from outside in, this notion of a two-week sprint. Which is just really fast waterfall. Yes. You know, I mean, that was my original, but I didn't want to walk into a bunch of agile people and get clobbered because like, no, you're waterfall. the guy who wrote the book, like your waterfall and like 10 people pound on me with a bunch of words I don't know, you know. Um, no, the, the um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, and even today I do a lot of work where I go to launch banks and like I get them to start turning on sort of um, metrics, you know, as, as their pipeline. And I start like showing them, hey, you know, you're a, your two-week agile seems like your eighth day you have these big spikes <laughs> you see that see what you're doing here like you can yeah. say that or you show them the data of right. like their deployments and stuff and then, like you see this you know steady line steady line and near the end it starts creeping up yeah. you know oh, every two we weeks but, like yeah you're, you're sort of mini it's real now yeah so i've always been i always thought that that idea like you look at the board you have to stand up you figure out where everything is that day did you overcommit to a story like figure it out you know um yeah so um but yeah I, I think that like clearly scrum all of that was really sort of to drive kind of um yeah again to get real mad if you think what toyota was all about was single piece flow and that meant and so a lot of what we've done agile and devops and all this stuff is really sort of a manifestation of knowledge work sort of in single piece flow we break it up into small bits right um and, and i think scrum was a logical transition from not right. going from sort of was idle a logical transition into no no <laughs> no um so um the the thing about idle right that was that was so um so in my tribe right something down we're all the one tribe right <laughs> but my tribe you know so like the uh, first 20 years of my career 25 years right there was actually even a split there between seem idle and non-idle so yeah. it wasn't like all the old timers were all in idle but the way I used to think about idle, like sort of back in the 90s was, if you had no clue on what you were doing, idle was a nice framework okay. to give you some operational okay. structure. Because yeah, it, it was very deterministic, right? It, it didn't give you a lot of leeway. It said, you did change, you do incident, you do problem this way, right? And, and, and so I think a lot of companies that had sort of matured that stuff, looked at idle as like, 
I, that seems very determinist. And a lot of people, most companies who were sort of didn't have any structure, you put it in idle and it was like, oh, cool. I can do, you know, if I adhere to these things, these things. So idle goes its way. There's sort of a, a like maybe in the mid 2000s, this, you know, or later, like 2007, eight, you have this sort of starting of DevOps or sort of developers sort of morphing with operations right. and infrastructure. You get idle is like, really static and it's sort of like in that world didn't make any sense at all right and so they sort of like were um in conflict yeah i agree and then and then i guess you know it's you know in like somewhere around 15 or 16 i think some of the smarter idle people started thinking about like you know like we got to sort of adapt I saw idle is still being a mechanism of control for it you know, so the thing here, here's the thing, right? And I spent a lot of time, so I'm working on a book called The DevSecOps Handbook. I spent a lot of time sort of in security. And um, so what you have right now is, like in the whole world of cloud native and sort of DevOps and all this, right? The the notion of gov GRC, government's client, is gone. Like it doesn't exist. Nobody's having an honest conversation about, like what does that really mean in a cloud native? I'm writing a whole chapter on this, right? about what it means in a cloud native world. And so what's happening is in large institutions, you've got the GRC is pretty much bounded by idle, right? And it's, it's like 90% inertia and doesn't need to exist. But the reason it's anchored is it's the only thing they have that grounds them on governance risk compliance that ties to their audits. And, okay, yeah. and you have to, you know, those things have to happen. Right. And, and because the cloud native world is not even having as an industry, an honest conversation about what does GRC mean in cloud native, and um, and so that is I, so. What, what I think there's and, and there's one other side to this is that I call it the inmates are running the asylum syndrome, which is all the enterprises now are following the footsteps of young people who are building amazing things from like Facebook or Google and all that. But these people who are building the patterns of the future have never worked in a large bank, right? So the inmates right. are running sort of the, the banks are like trying to follow around, you know, at KubeCon, like, oh, where, where do we go next? And, and the people who are presenting, where do you go next? I've have never, no idea that what a I've bank, that bank that is like 60 years of, like five or six generations of technology and that still their system of records are still living on, you know, on DB2 COBOL applications on IBM mainframes. And so, so there's a tension there that has to be squeezed in in that, like you have to sort of figure out what sort of developers are eating the world in a bank where, um, I mean, top 100 banks still run their system of record on a IBM mainframe. Like that ain't going away. Like, so what is sort of developers eating the world like that fits all of that? Right. And by the way, like a bank, you know, or anybody really, but anyone, uh, but, but certainly FinTech, like you have to attest to some sort of script, subscriptive notion, or prescriptive, sorry, prescriptive notion of governance risk and compliance. Right. And right now the idol is the only guy who's holding that mantle. Right, so a lot of what I want to do, and like this is even pre-microservices. Like it's, it's broken before we even get into a bank that has to manage 500 applications, to now a bank has to manage 50,000 applications. Right. You get into a whole nother you know, domain, of like now what does that mean? And, Anyway, I can go on, but like the configuration definition. So do you think, like, 
DevOps today has has lost some of its hype steam and it's kind of. <laughs> I'm throwing you. Hey, we're on a boat, folks. Like he says, I'll throw you he, off. he says it. Well, well, yeah. In 15 well, the minutes, is, there may be a no more podcast. Thinking, <laughs> if, if this boat sinks, yeah. DevOps is yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Alan Schimmel, yeah. we have Mitch Ashley, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Willis, yeah, yeah. And, but, but Chris Riley. We'll be buried at sea, though. <laughs> DevOps is buried at sea. DevOps sunk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think security is the next wave? Oh, yeah. No, no. Next? I mean, there's so one of the things I've been uh, pretty much involved with for a while now is the sort of DevSecOps and. And like I said, now I, I look at it more, even I think DevSecOps has sort of become, the arc of that is, um, I think some vendors have sort of taken it away. I didn't really want it to go, not that I, you know, I get to control these things. That's why I'm really focused on sort of um, this cloud native and governance risk and compliance. To me, there's where the meat is. And that's all about really, at the end of the day, it's security, right? Like, um, you know, compliance or risk, certainly risk is about sort of mitigating. So what I love about John is when you see John on stage and he's talking about security and compliance dropping F-bombs. Like, I love the blend of, that's the way it should be. I mean, it's still a very real thing, but you don't have to be, like you can embrace, you know, such a static, real kind of painful thing, but in a very kind of modern. So there's a really good point, profound point here. Like, so all those counterintuitive. The, one of the things we learned really early, or, or sort of really became sort of glaring in DevOps, which was that you can embrace speed and resilience. Like so, pre DevOps, there was this constraint of developers want to go fast, and operations wants to maintain the fort, and that was always a conflict. And so what DevOps proved was that no, you can have both, right? You you sort of meld how you deliver software in um, a, you know, a, an operationally constrained way, which is automated and all that, then you get to be faster and actually you become more resilient. So then I'm going around doing these DevSecOps presentations and people come up to me, hey John, you know, I, that was awesome, it was great. But the problem I have is developers think that if we do security, it's gonna slow them down. I'm like, no, no, it's just a redo. Right. Security is resilience. Right, I mean, at the end of the day, I, James Wicked, a good friend of mine, actually co-authored, a bug is a bug is a bug is a bug, right? Like, so, uh, you know, a, a security, you know, breach or a vulnerability, that's a defect. And so, there, you know, you will, and we see evidence now, that, you know, if you automate and instrument security in the pipeline, sort of how, you, sort of how we've operationalized and added QA in the automated pipeline, then you get to have both. You know, you, you, your developers do not get slowed down and you actually get safer from a risk. Do you think that there's just this general discomfort of we're not gonna, there's no real point where we're gonna say, oh, we, we're done, we've done it, we're, yeah. we're the most secure. No, there, there, you know, that's like anything, there's no done, done. And in fact, one of my other sort of, I don't know, pet peeves are like, uh, there's uh, Mick Kirsten who's written a book, so Project the Product, right? Like, uh, I used to say, if maybe King World, I eradicate the, the term project. But now I actually say, you know what, I even eradicate the, uh, the term product, it's a service. Everything's a service, right? Right. So, so in a service world, right. there is no ending. Even a product could, depending on which way you go, have an ending. In most cases, actually Because does. at the end of the day, what is the product doing? It's, yeah, it's, it's something, like yeah. it's version 1.8.8 or 3.5. And then at that point, is it... Do we get a new team? Or, right. But a service, there is no sort of version, right? Right. There's a great book by the JFrog guys. I don't know if you read it, Liquid Software. 
like they, they really use this metaphor perfectly. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I'd been asked to review it and then I didn't, I didn't, I keep promising. I finally sat down and read it thinking, oh, here we go, another book. I thought it was great, you know, and, and it, it sort of catch that metaphor of what I try to describe as, like, it's all about a service. You know, this thing lives, you know, and it, like, it doesn't end. It's, it's constantly, you know, you're constantly trying to make it more resilient, right? Make it more feature focused or, and, um, well, so. and, and also service to me says something as it relates to the customer as well. It's like you, you have an obligation. Yeah, it is. It, well, and that really, that is the final sort of last mile of sort of DevOps, right? Because the service, if you think of it that way, it's developers, it's you know infrastructure it's everybody that has to make the service in a modern day service like you know like in fact there's a lot of times you go into like large banks and they, they like have all these sort of scrum teams and they're all developers and like uh you sort of you know and they're like devops right and i'm like you're kind of missing the point like those teams need to be um you know build run-ish or two pizza team-ish where everything that you're supporting there no, at least dev, ops, you know, maybe network, certainly security, the blend of the people that make this an ongoing service. Yeah, so, and I think that gets to a really good point and, and it has plays into what you're doing these days, which is even though people throw around the term DevOps and they've mentally bought into the thing, yeah, doesn't mean they really understand and you're going around helping them understand yeah. from the bottom up. Yeah, a lot of what I do now is I sort of go in and sort of dissect. I go to an organization, I'll interview hundreds of people, and they'll start like, I don't like DevOps. I'm like, great, because we're not gonna talk about DevOps. I'm like, like you can't, I say, you can't agile safe DevOps, um, or ITIL, or whatever your way out of a bad organizational culture, right? And and so, yeah, right. so you know, those abstractions sometimes are dangerous. Like, right. we're, like SRE is the latest one. Like people are taking old incident, classic idle incident teams and calling them SRE by doing nothing different. Right. And like, get out of my face, we're SRE. Right. Right. Um, so I go in and I go look for, um, I go look for the, I think we're about to go fishing, so. Um, Gonna go fish. Yeah, um, but but I, I look for those sort of things uh, that you sort of like, to, like showing the metrics that you're doing. You think you're sort of really agile and you're not waterfall, but every, at the end of every sprint, you're like loading up of stuff, or you've got all these sort of um, scrum teams and pods, and they're all just developers, right? And so, so like trying to get behind, let's have conversations that don't let these abstracted terms get in our way, and let's figure out what you're really doing. And that's where you find yeah. the like, you know, well, I heard that if you do this, you're DevOps. Like, yeah, but like, that's the other thing, uh, and we'll finish up here, but it's like anything else. You ask 10 people, here's the thing, early days of cloud, you say you ask 10 people cloud, they give you 10 answers, right? Right. Um, if you ask 10 people what DevOps is, you get 10 answers, but here's the thing on DevOps, they're all right. Right. Like they're all, that's like the true. right answer. Yeah, as long as you bought into the principle. You're doing, it's, right. yeah. it's your version of the principle. There is no sort of canonical definition. Right. And so, so you can't just come and say you're doing DevOps wrong, and they're like, yeah, by whose authority? But if you go in and like throw the, like, remove the word DevOps and then just look for sort of the, like I call it level zero, you know, look, look for sort of how people are doing things. <coughs> and then you can attach those to the patterns that are not working or the, how they can be more efficient. Absolutely, yeah. And we're building a service and we have a customer to serve and 
we have to do the right thing to do that. Well, John, thank you. This is a blast. We're going to go catch, some catch fish. our dinner now. Yeah. Well, I hope. <laughs> this is a first for me. So I really appreciate it. Um, we will be chatting soon, I'm sure. Yeah, that's good. Had, had fun. Yep. Thanks.